Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University's School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. We want to thank them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, for this great studio, and to Patrick, my co-host. Good morning, Patrick. Hi, Mark. So nice to see you. Today's guest, I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this, is Candice Winkler, the CEO of the Scholarship Foundation of Santa Barbara. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am I am great. We discovered, uh, Patrick, we discovered uh, yesterday that I was getting ready for the show and I was looking on LinkedIn as, as one does. Sure. Uh, and I see <laughs> our- Finally, a, a good excuse to, to be spending all your time on LinkedIn. <laughs> exactly. Doing web research. Well, what, what I look for, a uh, couple of things. Um, I look for hobbies. But I also look for shared connections. And as it turns out, um, one of my extended family members is a sorority sister of yours. Yes, a very good friend of mine from from several years back. We actually were on the same freshman hall and ended up in the same sorority. And so there were 30 of us at Vanderbilt University. And what were you studying? Uh, I studied philosophy and art history. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, well, so, so Patrick's yeah, combo. Uh, Right, as MFA. my father said, very, very uh, marketable uh, degrees that you got there. Well, I, I would argue that you have a, an exceptional understanding of how to frame the current argument in a historical context. I love via it. Via philosophical debate. Absolutely, I love it. It, <laughs> Thank it, it you. did teach me to think and it did teach yeah. me to write, yeah. which I think are two important things that really, you know, cross many, many fields. So I feel fortunate. I've long thought that not only do we have to be communicators, we have to be gifted communicators. So I think of myself and I think of others when I talk to them, What, how can you become a gifted communicator? Because right. nothing happens until we influence someone else to our point of view sure. or get them to move to act. Absolutely, absolutely. And so whether you're a gifted communicator in the written word or in sort of verbal settings, I agree with you that, you know, it's one thing to be able to, um, to think deep thoughts and really have a good understanding of a variety of topics, but you've got to figure out how to communicate that to people. Exactly. So you're new to town. Welcome. And you've been here, what, six months? Oh, no. Um, Let's see. We moved up July 1st. Oh, wow. So just, what is that? Three months? Still in the honeymoon phase. Still in the honeymoon phase. What was your biggest surprise? I should have been prepared around housing mm, because of right. the, <laughs> the forewarnings sure. I received, but it still was quite a surprise. You know, we decided we were going to rent and we have two big dogs mm. and um, that proved to be, you know, it's a golden retriever, a 13-year-old golden retriever in a black lab. So, you know, not, not ferocious dogs, <laughs> but finding a place to rent um, while we kind of settle in and, and get the kids settled in school was definitely a challenge. So you did that. So we did that. Great. Yes, and, and that's fabulous. where did you come from? Um, from Alaska. Wow. Yeah. All Long of Alaska. Way away. What? What? We're specifically in Alaska. Uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I ran the Alaska Community Foundation there, and so as a statewide community foundation, we had affiliates all around the state, and mm. you know I had the opportunity to travel quite a bit. Mm. I mean, it's a huge state, so there are certainly places that I I didn't have the opportunity to get to, but. Um, you know, it's a very, very big, diverse state. 
now you're here, the CEO of the Scholarship Foundation of Santa Barbara. Right. And I've, I've known about the foundation for my experience of 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, are the recipient of the largest business event here in Santa Barbara, the South right. Coast Business and Technology Awards. And yes, I missed that this year, but I'm looking forward to it next it year. Is, it I is, heard it was fabulous. It, it, it's fantastic. In 1999, I got the Executive of the Year Award. Oh, fabulous. And, uh, Congratulations. Well, thank I didn't you. Know that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. He's been, he's been riding on it ever since. <laughs> exactly. That'll get me a cup of coffee someplace. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'll buy you one. <laughs> the, uh, that, that is, that's the event. And then those, the funds that are raised there, I, I think it's the funds, but it's also the awareness right. of what you're doing. Sure. Do, why don't you tell our listener, because we don't have listeners. Yeah. We have a listener. Okay. Right. So it's one person right okay. now. We're in their head. Great. And they, and, I love that. And, and they're Good awesome. Image. They love it. Well, you can picture it. It's yeah. easy to get a picture of that person yeah, you're talking it to. One person. So tell, tell them what the Scholarship Foundation is all about. Sure. The Scholarship Foundation is really about making sure that students from Santa Barbara have opportunity, and and we're countywide, so it's students from Santa Barbara County have the opportunity to uh, pursue higher education. And so we have many, many different, very generous donors who help support that goal. I mean, one thing we find with education is it really is an issue and a value that transcends Many things transcends, you know, religion, race, you know, any of the divides, political parties, you know, any of the divides we see. Most people really do understand and inherently value education. And so we feel fortunate that that's, you know, that that's what we're focused on. Um, And we also know that education changes people's lives. Absolutely. So, you know, functionally, what the Scholarship Foundation does is we receive gifts from many different donors, including those at the South Coast Business Awards. um, And those donations are then translated into scholarships to students from Santa Barbara County. Um, So we do direct financial scholarships, but we also do a lot of free financial aid advising because we know our scholarship dollars will not, you know, not cover the cost of school. I mean, the cost of going to, you know, even a community college, but, you know, going to a four-year college or university, it's it's really become sure. unattainable for many families. And so they are able to finance it with a combination of savings, loans, and hopefully some scholarship dollars. And what we try to do is help each individual think about how they can finance their children or if they're if it's an older person, their own education. How much do you give out each year? So each year we give out this year it was 8.7. So somewhere between 8.7 8 million. 8. 7 million wow. Right. Oh my gosh. So to almost 3000 students. And, uh, in addition to that, our scholarship recipients, we've recently started looking at what they are leveraging in other scholarship dollars, other oh. state and federal financial aid, because our advising is becoming such a huge part of our portfolio. Last year, we talked with over 40,000 individuals. What? And, um, you know, of course, a lot of those That's were in huge group reach. settings, right? A lot of those were in group settings. But, you know, I have four fabulous outreach staff, two in the North County out of Santa Maria and two down here in Santa Barbara City. And um, they're talking to, you know, 
to high school uh, auditoriums, of, right. you know, to individual classrooms, whether it's, you know, the government class or the English class. Um, and then they're doing one-on-one free advising with any parents and or students that come in either to our office or they have office hours at some of the schools as well. Let me ask a question about, um, it's something I call follow the money. Sure. So do you um, keep in touch with alumni and can you go back to, I, you know, you gave $2,000, $3,000, dollars that got some kid into some program and now 10 years later they're running some corporation. Do you have any of those kind of, tell me one of those stories. Well, um, you know, we, we do have, um, you know, every day when I'm out, I did a, did a radio interview over it at Cox, uh, my second week on the job. With <laughs> Kirsten. With Kirsten. And uh, she was a scholarship recipient. Oh, wow. Was she? And she, you know, she didn't share that till after we completed the interview. Oh, my I was gosh. like, you should have shared oh, that on yeah, air. That's a but, great story, um, yeah. you know, I would say it is amazing how many people. I certainly have board members who've been recipients and, um, you know, a, a wide variety of community members who have been recipients. I think that that's what's so special and unique about the Scholarship Foundation is how many lives in the area we do touch. You know, as I said, we award somewhere in the neighborhood of 3,000 scholarships every year, and we've been around for 53 years. 53 53 years. So our listener Uh might be listening from Finland. Okay. Venezuela. (laughs) We're 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 big in Finland. (laughs) 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 We're we're not sure why. Welcome, Finland. Um, And so what are you... Finland has a great education system. See? There you go. That could be it. So it, it, I'm thinking about the role of the, you've been doing this for 53, the Scholarship Foundation has been around 53 years. Yeah. It seems like a, a key component in a long-term strategy where education is a part of an economic vitality agenda. That's right. that's why I'm interested. Right. Because if, if we're educated and I feel like we can grow our own employees, then that's all good for all kinds of reasons. The person who's listening right now who may be thinking, God, that would be great, but I don't live in Santa Barbara. Uh-huh. How do they find an organization like yours where they live? That's a good question. You know, I, I probably wouldn't have a lot of advice for how in Finland. Um, but, <laughs> but Camarillo. Right, right. Um, you know, the good old-fashioned web is amazing. Uh, you know, there are... There are lots of foundations like ours. We are, we are, by the way, I think the oldest community-based scholarship in organization country. in the country. Oh, wow. And I actually think we're the largest is what, you know, what I've been told. I'm heading actually later this afternoon to Orlando for a national meeting of our association. And so that'll it's be the a association great association of association of associations. It's yes. the, uh, oh gosh, let's see, the National College Access Network. And it's something that we've been a part of. But, you know, it's, it's organizations that are doing like we are doing work to help make sure that that students in their area have access to college. And so that'll be interesting for me to learn a little bit about that. I would say community foundations, that's the world I came from. Community foundations often manage scholarships. And so if there is not Ah. a standalone scholarship foundation, that's probably a great place to start. There are 
thousands of community foundations sure. in the U.S. And actually, there are community foundations all over the world. So, you know, maybe it is applicable to Finland. But, <laughs> you know, that might be a good place to start because they likely will have some portfolio of scholarships, as did my organization. That's not all they do. But, um, you know, they may also know who else has scholarships. Again, that's part of our mission is to know in our area who are other entities, what Which are other entities Which is part of your financial aid right, package. Right. You had a question, Patrick. Yeah, I, I have this. You, you mentioned your outreach uh, people that are, that are going out into the field and giving these, these presentations. Yeah. And, so in, and I, I work at a community college, and I've, I've worked at private art colleges and at universities. Yeah. And a lot of times what I see is I see a mass email come through my inbox as, a, as an instructor uh, that, that that rarely gets forwarded on to the students, or it gets right. forwarded on in such a way that it to that about a, sees it. about a workshop where sure. somebody is coming to to school. They're going to yeah. speak in this room at two o'clock in the afternoon. Go listen to them speak. So my imagination is that the trick to finding or accessing your scholarships is is go to those random workshops yeah. that you hear about. Mm. Go to those mm. random presentations. No, that you I hear think about. that's great. And and you may have good suggestions for us around how to get through some of that fog and some yeah, of that Yeah, I have noise. a very reasonable consulting fee. Okay, so, yeah. excellent. Well, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pull out my checkbook later. Yeah. But, you know, I do think that, you know, that's something as I've come in, look, I'm very fortunate. I feel like I'm coming into a really solid organization that sure. has a great history, a fabulous staff, and a really strong board, and I think has an impeccable reputation. And I think that is fabulous as a new CEO. That's not always what you come <laughs> into. Um, You're not I, a fixer. <laughs> no. Um, you know, I do think that there are some things, um, and, and really some of this work was was already begun. I mean, we really are trying to move to the next level of sophistication. Mm. And What you does know, that mean? Well, what that means is that this past year, we implemented a new software system that completely moved our whole application process online, okay. which has saved so much time internally. Mm. I mm. understand from some of my staff that it used to take them when it was primarily a paper-based process. Oh, they it, were manually entering. They were manually entering, and oh. it would take th people three days. You know, I think they said it took three people three days to just open all the mail, much less process right. it, because you've just got applications after applications sure, that are coming sure, in, sure, you know, sure. around well, the, the deadline. Rate, the, high, the, the increased air rate of doing a paper application because if you know a street or road or avenue west Absolutely. east you could be yeah plus i think we now have access to so much more data right mm -hmm. and right. that really is going to help thought. us make better decisions but i think you know some of the other areas we've really been talking about over the last 3 months have been you know how can we be smarter about our communication we know that you know some of the typical ways that you communicate you know email and and you know flyers and all of those things are often just sort of lost in the noise mm -hmm. because yeah. that's becoming so utilized and so how can we be creative with our message and make sure that students and families know about us. They know about us early enough. You know, I really think that while a lot of our outreach, rightly so, is targeted at, you know, 11th, 12th grade, that's when, when kids are thinking about applying to college, um, we need to start earlier than that. And we do have some programs, especially during the summer. You know, we do a lot of partnerships with Girls Inc. and Fun in the Sun. And there are, you know, several of these programs where we're really hitting that, you know, 
high ed- high elementary kind of middle school age range because that's when students need to start thinking about college because it matters what classes they take. Mm-hmm. It matters mm-hmm. sure. what grades they get. And all of those things are going to impact their ability not only to get into college, but more importantly, to be able to afford it. Those are going to be the students that are going to be you know, more likely to get scholarships and other sort of aid. Can I, this is a real quick hijack. I'm sorry about this. I used to be an admissions counselor at a private art college. Okay. Oh. And so very often, a great job, one of the best jobs I've ever had in my life, but, but there would be uh, a parent and a kid that would come in and sit in my office and, um, you know, we would lay out, you know, what it would take to get into the school and what the application process looked like, the portfolio, all of the, you know, kind of requirements and their, they'd have their transcript and their transcript was beautiful. And I was saying, okay, well, this is the, the financial support we can give you through scholarship. And then I would say, now, now what were you thinking about the, the other half of it, the other part of it, yeah. your, your side of it? And, and the parent would look at me and go, well, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, what, 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 what can you offer? And I'm like, no, no, no. I have a thing that I can offer, but but you as the parent, what was your plan? Yeah. Mm. What was the intention mm. for, for your yeah. student? You've had this kid for 18 years. What was, what was were you guys like sitting him down or her down at the, at the kitchen table uh, when he was in seventh grade and saying, okay, listen, you know, let's get you the ability to chase your dreams. I don't make a lot of money, so let's figure out what else is out there, mm-hmm. you know, and l- let's follow that, like follow the money. Let's find yeah, yeah. a path. Yeah. There, there, there are there's a society and a community around us that are looking to support us. How do we find them? How right. do we find, how do we find, right. you know, a foundation that might be willing to support you simply because we reached out, right? you know, made an application. You know, and I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, it, it doesn't come up in conversation and it isn't something that they are thinking about. For some people, of course, you know, they, the day their child is born, they start a college account yeah, and, sure. you know, those are, those are, fabulous cases where it's it's easier but i think for the vast majority of people they're busy just getting through life and they're busy paying the bills and they're busy dealing with all the different phases and things that come up as as kids grow and and um so that's i think where we really see our value add role Mm, is mm, being able mm. to talk about that you know we also know there are fabulous high school counselors but they are taxed and they are primarily working with students about college choice and about letters of recommendation and the application Mm -hmm. process they really are not doing anything around financial aid and i think they appreciate you know, that we have that capacity and are willing to come in. Several of the high schools have, you know, opened up, you know, little rooms for us and, you know, we'll have office hours and and are really able to work very collaborative because by no means do we ever want to, you know, ever want to either overstep or do something that's in their purview. We just want to be seen as an added resource. You know, when we have recently started looking at that data I told you we were collecting, um, we found that with our recipients, our scholarship recipients um, that we've worked with on financial aid, in addition to the almost $9 million we're giving out, they are leveraging somewhere in the neighborhood of about $35 million in other financial aid, whether it is, again, stuff from the state of California or stuff from the federal government. So they are figuring it out. So, you know, they are figuring it out. I mean, not not all of the kids, and I think that that's something that we also have an interest in that, of course, our data isn't necessarily showing us, but in the last three or four weeks, you know, my team has been talking about, okay, so how can we get more data on the students that didn't apply to us, the students that didn't go on to college? Was it because they got 
an opportunity and they wanted to go into a trade and they really had no desire to go in? Or was there a barrier? You know, was there either a barrier because they didn't have enough information or was there a barrier because of their academic challenges or, you know, what was what was the problem? And is there a way that we can have an intervention to, um, you know, to try to support that? We have a couple of other programs that I think are interesting and have have really come up over probably the last four or five years as we have looked at data and thought about, uh, you know, some of the things that are preventing our recipients, our scholarship recipients from completion. Um, we, we do benchmark ourselves against uh you know, I talked about this NCAN, um, this National College Access Network, and they get information from all the colleges around uh, the country. And I would say, you know, I think 95 to 98 percent of the colleges put in information. So it's pretty good data on the students. And we can link our data to that kind of macro set and um, see what are the completion rates. You know, are students getting... When you say completion, okay. Are they getting an AA if that's what they set out for? Are they getting a BA? Are they finishing? Because that's important. You know, we can talk about how many scholarships we gave out and how many dollars. But what's more important is that we have kids and students who finish. Yeah who finish, you know, and, do, and actually get their number? college degree. So with our recipients, our scholarship recipients, somewhere in the 85th percentile. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that gives us room to grow. But I will say we're doing far better than our peers oh. in the national average. I mean, why, I think we're about think 15% better. You know, so I think some of it are the additional supports that we do. So we have uh, a program called Achieve, and it is housed both on the, it's for students going to community colleges, because we recognized that that was a population that some of the students were dropping out, or they weren't transferring, you know, something happened. Actually, there was a pretty big fallout rate in just the first semester. Really? And so uh, the program Achieve, we have it both on the Allen Hancock campus and also on the Santa Barbara City College. And it is open to any of our scholarship recipients who are enrolled at those schools. And we provide all sorts of incentives, you know, $5 gift cards and free pizza and all the Mm. things that you do to try to get, you know, busy students to try to come. Um, But they have a couple requirements. They need to meet twice with our advisor and then they need to come to a couple of the kind of group informational sessions and those sessions are primarily focused on providing support and making sure that the students know what services are available on those campuses that they are making friends that you know if if they're sick that they know how to go to the health clinic if they're having problems in a class they know that there is help with tutoring because for a lot of students who maybe haven't been college bound or their first generation going mm-hmm. to college so they can't just go back to mom and dad and say hey what do I do you know just getting connected is the biggest barrier and so we see a huge rate of retention if you can kind of get them through the first semester through that first yeah. semester and get them ingrained in the college and 
knowledgeable about what's what's there because both of those community colleges are fabulous and they have lots of resources but it's not always like you said you know the kids probably the students probably get emails about it but half of them probably go to the junk folder we we just we see so many this is i mean this is the struggle with any marketing campaign where um you know it's really nice to be invited to the beach I always make this analogy. It's really fun to be invited to the beach. And you shouldn't have to convince somebody to go to the beach. It's the beach. It's just that great. There's no, you know, like, what's the sales pitch for the beach? At what time? When are we leaving? Yeah, exactly. Um, But when 400 people invite you to the beach Mm. at 8 o'clock in the morning and you Mm. click on the box, how do you even know? And it's not just the beach. You know, they're inviting you to all sorts of things. And a lot of them aren't fun and a lot of them aren't good. And so there's that, that thing of, like, the really good gyms. I mean, I watch students all the time. Uh, fail out of their first semester for for every reason you just stated because right. because they just didn't find their legs under them at, yeah. at, a, at a on a, in a new environment at a new campus and especially if they're first generation especially if they're first sibling yeah whether the first one in the you know they've got nobody older to say hey was this is this where do I and watching people try to navigate the bureaucracy of a of a college campus versus the bureaucracy of a of a you know high school where they were you know for four years and absolutely things were very you know they they knew where they were at they were comfortable but here they are on the city college campus and it's like security's down under the bridge financial aid's up over here this is down over there that's the line if you don't stand that line in the right way you don't you know all of these you know horrible in things that that are completely unintentional and just you know the nature of the beast and you're watching these really really bright intelligent human beings who are hungry for for something fun to, you know not fun but something you know engaging and interesting and uh, they can't get the education because the system is just so impenetrable at times yeah so. No, I, I think that that's very so true. So Achieve is meant to break that, help to break that. that. Right. Yeah. It's meant to support those students. I mean, you know, at a basic level, it's case management. Yeah. You know, it's really, case it's management. really, <laughs> you know, okay, my we, social work background. Well, we, we play something called buzzword bingo right. on the show. I don't know what case management is so in this context. So it's a big social work. Um, you know, it, it's basically having somebody who is checking in with you and is, you know, typically a case manager doesn't have one area that they are knowledgeable about. They are about connecting an individual to all the different resources they might need. So you often talk about that in kind of social work or a more clinical setting for somebody who, you know, if an individual comes and they have housing needs and Mm. they have needs for food and they have needs because, you know, they were in an abusive relationship and they may need some counseling. It's that one person that is kind of there that helps the person navigate all the different resources that are available to them. So, so I'm, I'm loving this because I, uh, I had experience, uh, with a client in New York who ran a charter school Uh and they had 98 percent of their kids graduate into get scholarships to wow. college wow it was, it was national news it was, yeah. a, it was a very big deal and they contacted me to build a network much like 805 connect is uh-huh. the connective tissue for business they wanted to connect these students who were all first generation hmm. first to go to college so they didn't have a support system to your it was just interesting listening for the last few minutes to you well that's huge in every part of life i mean we all know that we need some sort of network you need i need need, a case manager right right (laughs) but you know it's true i mean all of us are going to have times 
regardless of your socioeconomic status, your background, we all have times that we need support. Mm. And, you know, if you have a lot of people are fortunate to have a natural social network that, you know, they can go to, they've got friends and they've got family and they've got, you know, teachers or people that care about them that they can go to when they need advice or support. But there are some individuals that that's not the case. And so helping to find that support system that is hopefully a natural one. I mean, that's part of the goal of Achieve is to build in a support system that is embedded in the college. So we come in and we're connecting to them to those things. We're making sure they're making friends. Um, you know, a lot of the ev- events we do are socially geared right so at least they have Mm -hmm, other people mm -hmm. to talk about oh you're new too Mm -hmm. and they're developing those things that will last and will be there beyond our support beyond what we think and know we're going to be able to do so in uh we're big fans of something called relationship economics Uh uh-huh so we think about social capital and absolutely investments and withdrawing and all of that type of thing in some ways is achieve protecting your investment Hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we don't look at it as giving us scholarships. We look at it as changing lives, and we look at it as changing families and communities. I mean, education for the individual is huge. We know that individuals who are educated, they have better health outcomes. They have better Hmm. opportunities um, economically. They are more engaged in their community. And they, you know, they are more likely to move up the socioeconomic ladder. And that helps the individual, but that helps the family. And frankly, that strengthens our communities. I mean, we all should have a real goal of having as many students as possible be educated. I mean, it's it's in all of our best interest to have a healthy population that's engaged and that are able to earn a wage and earn a living and take care of themselves. 10,000% agree. Yeah. As a business person, I, you just said something about students. I was thinking, I want to surround myself with students. How can I? How <laughs> I, just, I love students, right? Because they're just eager and they're eager I to just, learn. I love, and they're I love in all such a great space. I do too. What, what is your relationship? In my next life, I'm going to be a college professor, I think. It's <laughs> a pretty good guess. There's someone you can call her. We'll give you contact information at the end. Uh, we need more teachers. Um, What's the role of the business? What's your relationship, not the role, what's the relationship that the foundation has with the business community? Specifically, I'm thinking around Achieve. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking around how, I could think of 20 things right off the bat, but tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I think we have very good relationships with businesses in the community. I think we are always looking to continue to grow and foster more. But I do think, you know, you talked about the South Coast Business Awards, and that happens, I think, in June. Yep. Is that Yeah. And, um, you know, we have lots of businesses who come together, and, you know, we, we talk about what we do, and they're supportive of us. And the proceeds of that event go to provide, you know, quite a few scholarships um, for students. We also have a lot of businesses that we work with outside of South Coast Business, and they are providing scholarships for, um, for instance, we've got some of the tech companies who are providing scholarships for students who are studying some of the fields and the areas that they're interested in because they have an interest in growing their own workforce because they know that... 
it is hard. You know, I talked about at the beginning, the housing yep. thing. This yep. Santa Barbara is an area that is hard to recruit talent because of the cost of living. Yep. And so, you know, people who have grown up here or from here have more opportunities if they come back. You know, they're going to likely have family connections. They're going to know people. So sure. it's going to be a little bit easier to have them come back or to have them stay. You know, folks who were who were going to school at you know, the university here, you know, to have them just stay uh, is a is a pretty smart business model for kind of growing your own talent. Yeah, I, I, I the bumper sticker on my car says grow your own. Yeah, because that is it's a huge challenge as I'm out there. You know, people, now, people are looking might for misread talent. that. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Colorado or Washington or uh, Alaska. Or, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Alaska, just Oregon. The, yeah, yeah. The oh, there you go. Six months. Um, boy, I have so much. On specifically besides just writing checks, because that eight point seven million dollars comes from the community. Yeah. Or do you get grants? Uh, we do get a few grants. We do get. But a But it's few mostly grants. donations from people. Yeah, we uh, well, we do have. I mean, we've had great support from the Orfila Foundation and the Santa Barbara Foundation, sure. and those those are technically in the form of grants. Um, but we also have great individual donors as well. One of the things that I want to mention that I think is unique about us, and you know, I've worked in the nonprofit field a long time, and I am very understanding of the need for overhead. Um, I think that you know, all nonprofits, the work we do regardless of what your field is, is very human-centered. I mean, it's, it's, it's a people. It's high, high touch. touch. Yeah. And, you know, that, that costs sure. money. You can't just kind of whittle down your, your overhead sure. and admin around that. Um, but I think we're in a very unique and fortunate position that we had a donor, uh, the Cavaletta Charities, who some years ago decided with their dollars they wanted to invest all of it into our overhead. So what oh, that means is wow. that we are able to, any scholarship dollars that we get from individual donors, 100% of those dollars go wow. to student scholarships. Wow. And that is very unique. We're very unique in the country to be able to do that. And, you know, I think that that's something that's important to donors to know that bet. every bit of their dollar is really going towards impact. It's going towards changing lives. When you sit down, are you the one, are you the de head development person? You probably have someone who's in charge of that, but are you the heavy hitter that gets called in and you sit down with someone and a new donor? Sure, probably. I mean, I think that's often what the CEO, but you know, I'm, I'm new coming into the organization. We have a fabulous, um, Ray on my team is a fabulous development director. And, you know, we, I would also say that our board is very active in development because often those peer conversations are really what are important when, when board members who are not only giving of their treasure, who are not only giving money, but are giving a significant amount of time, can articate to one of their friends why they think this is a really important issue and a, a you can't really buy strong... That. You can't buy that. No. So I think that that certainly is something we do. And, and you know, we're fortunate to have a really engaged board. I have 40 board members. Yeah, how do I, I read that and I'm trying to figure out... <laughs> How the heck did... Biggest board like, I've ever worked with, but, yeah. you know, it's great. It's really great. And, you know, we have, in addition to that, we have about 15 past board presidents 
that make up that council, and they are invited to every board meeting. They don't vote, but they participate in the discussion. And it's amazing how engaged all of those past board presidents are as well. That's a healthy board. Mm. Every board I've mm. ever I've been I've been around and on a couple boards, and and when you have a board of that volume. That means that you're not um, you're not suffering from some of the classic board issues. So that's yeah. very impressive that, yeah. that you've got a, a happy, healthy uh, community of people that are serving on that board. That's great. Yeah. So I've I've had the challenge, um, and well, I should I should pose it as an opportunity because it has been a delight. But you know, as I have moved into this role, I've been you know meeting one on one with all of those you know, 55 different really governance leaders in the organization. And it's just been such a treasure to be able to hear from them about their passion and why they're involved. I mean, some of our board members have been on the board for 20 years. So you don't have term limits? We don't have term limits. The only um, term limit is once you are are president, when your two-year term is over, you go off the board and Hmm. you join this past president council. Hmm. You earlier were talking about this new thing, you know, like what's new for you? What? Mm-hmm. Are, how do you take it from this amazing thing? I'm a I'm a one percent guy. Can I be one percent better today? Yeah. So, and you said we we want to get better. It's already good. How do we be great? And I love that. Yeah. So one of them was uh, refreshing the whole software application, doing all of that. I like to think aspirationally with an audience. Right. And someone in a conversation last week, we talked about aspirations and the word achievable aspiration came up. I don't know. I love alliteration. So maybe that's why it stuck (laughs) with me. But having an aspiration that I can actually get Mm -hmm. to is is that's a goal I'm going to go for. So what are your achievable aspirations for the next couple of years? Well, I, I think we want to go more deeply into evaluation. I think we want to we want to evaluation. Continue, what do you, what do you, well, I think we want to continue to ask the so what question. You know, so 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 how are we changing lives? What are the most important things that we're doing? And to really look at the data and make sure that we're putting our resources in the right place. I think there are a lot of questions that surround that. For instance, you know, are we giving the right amount of scholarships? Mm. You know, there's always that balance between how many do you give out and how large are they? Some of them are very specifically outlined by donors. And, you know, others, a lot of our unrestricted, I mean, we're determining what those levels are. So I think it's continuing to look at the data to see. So the data-driven Yeah, if if there's a mix of things, you know. The cost of going to college continues to rise exponentially. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, is what we're giving meaningful? Does it make a difference? Mm. Or do Mm. we need to look at a more targeted approach? Now, there are a couple of things that are coming down the pike. And I will learn more about these when I'm in Orlando this weekend. But uh, the president has put forward some changes to the FAFSA form, which, which, which is president? the President, uh, president Obama. Obama. Okay. There's so many. <laughs> right. There's so many presidents. The um, free application for federal student aid. Thank you. Wow. So, yeah, because... Free application <laughs> for federal the, You student just went buzzword bingo on me again. What well, is that? Well, I said FAFSA, yeah. and so I was going to define it, but I appreciate that you did, because, you know, I was going to have to... F-S-A. It's okay. every every student looking for financial aid. It's a free application through the government that uh, used to be available on January 1... 
or January 31st? Yes, I think it is. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of kind of inhibitions with students, but um, Obama has just pushed forward a, a new plan for it. Uh, yes, and he is, um, instead of, I think, having families project their income and then have to um, oh. fill that data in later, and so then there's some modification once kind of taxes are filed, it's actually going to look backwards at a completed year. So that's going to speed up the process. And for for organizations like us, it's going to be huge because we're going to be able to know exactly what students are eligible for in, you know, Stafford loans and Perkins And that's not going to change the way it used to change. It would shift and alter when right. the reality of the numbers arrive. Right, right. So I think that what that's going to do is because one of the things that my staff is so very good at doing, and, you know, it's it's laborious, but they want to make sure that our dollars are add-on dollars. Mm. So they want to make sure that we are not transplanting. You know, in some cases, you could give a kid a scholarship, yeah. and all of a sudden, they're going to lose some scholarship dollars from the state or from the federal government. We don't want to do that. Because it we affects their be, need mm, and their need mm, rating. Yeah. Right. Mm, and mm, so mm. we want to be very targeted and make sure that our donor dollars are really going where they can have the biggest impact. And so this is going to help us tremendously because we will know for a fact and not just project what we think a student is going to be eligible for. So pushing that whole um, process to move a little bit faster and to have completed information for students sooner is going to be good for us. It's going to be good for families, too, because they're going to be able to plan. They're going to know sure. earlier on exactly what their financial picture looks like. And um, so we're pretty excited about that. And So I, I'm, I love data. Yeah. <laughs> I just Because it helps us make decisions, right? We're not guessing. We're, it's a data-driven thing. Is there a... Uh, a world where you had enough data to where you didn't wait for someone to apply. You went to them and said, "You, this young person should be going to college. And they hadn't even thought, didn't know about you, but you had some kinds of metrics, whether it was from the school or some way where you right. went and you said you were overtly going after them. Right. And I'm pretty sure you don't do that. You probably have enough no, people going to you. Yeah. But I'm curious if the data said well, there's this population we're not even they don't they don't go to the meetings, they don't do this stuff, yeah. but there's a high performer there in the rough. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I think that would be fabulous. I don't think at this point certainly we're not doing that. Sometimes there are teachers or counselors or, or principals who refer who are yeah who are in tune to that and they pick a student and they Got say it. listen you know this isn't on your radar screen but it needs to be and here's what you need to do and and they're shepherded through and you know I think that's fabulous that those are the folks that really know there's such a volume of students it would be hard for us to really um identify those but but I love it I love the way you think and there may be a point in time where we are able to go further back I will share one other program that we have um, that's a small pilot program and um, it is working with uh, young men of color 
and starts it there. I think it's their last year of middle school. Okay. And so, you know, is starting with these, you know, may, maybe it actually what, goes back years? to, yeah, maybe it's like eighth grade, but starts kind of early enough with this cohort. And we've had, oh, consistently probably about 12 students. So it's not a big program, but, um, but it's pretty intensive. And we're working with them over the summer and they're doing a lot of just ropes courses and trust things and mm, and just mm, really mm. doing some leadership some confidence building what do you call that um that is called i knew you were going to ask me that and i <laughs> i just, love i love names and logos too because it's about a brand right because we attach right. to a brand right. i was going to say when you said it's not a big program and i wanted to i just in my head just leaped out it's big for them oh it's huge <laughs> right <laughs> right it's, it's huge big for them, for them. Yeah. like that would be if i had been it's a life trader and somebody had said like Hey, I know you, this might seem weird to you, but we're going to we're actually going to pay attention to you and help you get to college, you know, and, and that would be that would. Yeah. Beyond life changing. Just right. Whole new world. OK, exactly. I got it. College scholars. There it is. College. Scholars. How am I there doing for for a third month on the job? That's not bad. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> you're a, you're a pro, which you is have why a, you got the job. The phone once for a call a friend. That's so right. That's nice right. Oh. The. Um, the, I'm going to go back to the sorority for a second okay. because I know it was rush week last week. Oh. And uh, we have a friend who is a successful CEO, a friend of the of the show. Mm-hmm. Andrea and, Holland. And she runs a PR firm and she spoke to 2,000 sorority recruiters wow. last week at uh-huh. UCSB. Brought in, she's in her 30-somethings. And we don't divulge those kind of things. No. Okay. But she's <laughs> successful and well spoken right. and talked about how the decision the, being accepted into a sorority absolutely changed her life will will change lives and kind of put that in their head said the reason you want to go out and recruit because you are changing lives and yeah. i'm going back to what you said you said and you said how are we changing lives mm-hmm. and you understand where you fit and this is such an important thing so i'm going to bring it back to business how, how could businesses help you in this, which got me thinking about mentoring through the Achieve program? Absolutely. Is that something you're... Yeah, or college scholars. I mean, either of those, you know, the college scholars is for the high school level and Achieve yeah. is, is on the... Um, community Once college campuses, in. but um, but certainly that's a big piece. You know, the other thing that we do is every one of our scholarship recipients is interviewed. And they're interviewed by community members. And that Before, is... Before, is this part of the application? This is part of the application process. Got it. How do we get in on that? Uh, well, we would love to... Um, we would love to have you... Um, interview with us i mean we'd love to have your our viewer our listener the listener <laughs> our one listener um you know to you know to explore that with us I, you know i would um give us a call can i Kay. give you our number yep absolutely so 805-687-6065 and express interest in being an interviewer um, you can also find more information about us at www.sb for santa barbara scholarship all spelled out with no s at the end dot org got it and um you know i think those interviews are transformational for community members and for the students 
I mean, I cannot tell you the number of stories that I've heard. As I said, I'm doing the circuit of meeting with all of my board Mm -hmm. members Mm -hmm. and major donors. And one of the things I hear time and time again is I, I hear I hear specific stories about students. They share about, you know, you know, this person, you know, Glorianne came in and she was telling me about her life and this was going on. And most of them have a particular interview in their mind that they remember. And I think it's great practice for those students uh, to be able to articulate their yeah, goals. Right. Back um, and to communication. It's, it's, you know, I think it's, it's fabulous. And I think it's a really great touch point. And I think that, you know, I want to tell you a, a little story if I can. Awesome. Um, one of the things that I think is so special that the Scholarship Foundation does is every single board meeting and every event we have, we have student speakers and they mm. come and they tell their stories. Mm. And so my first board meeting, we had a woman, Molly, who came up. She goes to an all-girls school and she came up and, you know, I've talked about how big my board is. So usually between our past presidents and board members and staff, it's about 50 people at the Lacumbra Country Club, you know. And so it's a little bit of an intimidating audience. Sure. And so, you know, she walks up to the front. She's kind of twirling her hair and, you know, is just a little bit Being nervous. And she starts out saying, you know, I'm not exactly sure what to say. Um, but she gets into her story and she starts talking about how she has been working since she started school at the bookstore and how great that's been that it, it enabled her to meet a lot of students. And now that she's in her third year, she's a manager. And she talked about being a psychology major. And then she said, I'm not really very good at saying thank you. And I want to apologize to anybody here who got my thank you note because I'm sure it wasn't very good. But she said, you know, I'm a real math person. And she said, I sat down and thinking about what I wanted to say to you all. And she said, you know, after I've gotten scholarships from the school and all of that, my amount is $30,000 a year that, that I owe. And I've gotten $3,000 a year from you all for the last three years. That's 10% of my education. Mm. I don't know any of you all. She says, you know, the fact that there are people in this community that would pay for 10% of my education, Mm. she says, really impacts me. Mm. And she says, I mean, every day it inspires me to do better because Mm. I know there are people Mm. who want me to be successful. And, wow. you know, of that, course, that, you know, she kind of got the standing yeah, ovation and sure. we're like, that's the thanks that we, that's you know, you we need. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the story. But you know what is so unique about that is that's one of 3,000 mm, stories. Mm, mm, mm. I mean, every time we have a student speaker who steps up there and tells their story, and they're varied. I mean, some of them have some real hard luck stories and others, you know, have, have been very privileged and recognize they've been privileged, but still need some support. And it's it's amazing. You know, it is it is changing lives and it is helping students achieve their dreams. Changing lives and helping students achieve their dreams. We might have our title there. <laughs> uh, I think you just landed the show, Mark. Changing lives and helping students achieve their dreams. This has been a fantastic conversation. I've got, I mean, I love education. I love yeah, the impact. I'm just a high school grad. Okay. And, uh, and I started my first business when I was 12 and, and have, I, I learned that for me, it's always been about mentors. So yeah. I've had mentors throughout my career, uh, always having mentors right now. Yeah. And, and I, and I, 
value mentorship and I encourage mentorship. Mm-hmm. And through 805 Connect, I, I hope that people find mentors or if they're, you know, in a position where they've got time, they can go seek out that um, because it's just, it's just so important. Thank you so much for coming to join Absolutely. us and, and talk about what, what you're doing and the, the impact of it. Education is such a it's such a huge pillar in economic vitality, and it's not an obvious one to the business person. In the nonprofit community, you get it. The foundations, you get yeah. it. I mean, they, they understand. I think business people do, though. I mean, I do think that that's why we have more and more businesses who are supporting us, because they think they understand that they need an educated workforce. And, you know, there's there's a corresponding, I mean, it's a long game, right? It's, you it's, you know, you're not, you're not seeing immediate results. And it's, you know, it's sort of like breaking that political cycle, right? That's just the two year to get elected. It's, it's looking long term and saying, how do we build a community of strong, educated people that will come back and will lead the community that will, you know, be our workforce and that will help us to thrive, Thank you so much for doing that, and welcome to Santa Barbara. Thank you. It's been this great. Is, yeah, well, uh, we'd love to have you back. I'd love to. Um, I think next year what we ought to do is have a couple of the students come here. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'd love that. Yeah. And yeah. That, would be, uh, that would be fantastic, especially if they'd gone into business, Yeah. because there's, there's so much more of that happening right now. We'd love uh, to see that. So Absolutely. thank you so much. So uh, again, tell us how, uh, tell us the URL and okay. how people get in touch with so, you. So uh, www.sbscholarship.org. And the phone number is 805-687-6065. Well, we've already named our episode, so that's one of the things that we do is um, uh, we study uh, how to make get this podcast out. So we're going to come back to you. Um, okay. We'll be we'll have it online on Monday or Tuesday. Okay. And we'd love it to go out to everyone Fabulous. on your list. Yeah. So that um, they can get to know you a little bit better. Right. right? We're building relationships. It's not transactions. These are no, relationships. Absolutely. And uh, so with that, I want to uh, thanks again to California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services, and our podcasting partner, Pullstring Press, for the just this great setup. We love coming here and recording these shows. And Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for our show. And I've got an update on Cielo24. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I uh, talked with um, Dave last night, and there's some news coming along the line on what they're going to be able to do to help us in being able to auto-transcribe. More exciting. And also being able to pull out keywords through the transcript and oh, be nice. able to help the listener mm. uh, take action on right. things. So they go and oh, do stuff. Great. So we're excited about that. Technology. Uh, it's amazing, right? <laughs> it's, it's Everything's different. So... Um, Patrick, tell people how they can help. They love this show. Yes. They're going to look forward to the next episode. How, how could they help us? Well, as always, we love any review or critical uh, commentary that you provide to us in the comments box. 
Uh, any reviews are always helpful because it allows that algorithm to kick in and, and understand how important we right. are uh, to your listening. But but more importantly, and I say this, you know, probably not enough. Uh, call your moms right now and tell them that you've been listening to this podcast and uh, have them listen to it too because then you will have uh, no problem coming up with things to talk to them about that is not uh, your personal life. <laughs> or what you're watching on court TV. Right. <laughs> so I would love to hear from you personally as well. So write me a note, um, you, anything at 805connect.com. Seriously, you can type in any word you want. <laughs> I've set it up that way so people don't have to try to remember my name or info or whatever. Just Oh, Mark. Come on, Mark. What is it, a K or a C? Oh, okay. Right? So uh, just write me, tell me what you like about the show and if there's someone you think we should get on the show and interview. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. Mm